couple of years ago, Lisa and I had a friend that was really having some pretty serious health issues. And so he went to the doctor and was trying to get it all figured out, you know, exactly what, what's happening with your health. And they just couldn't figure it out. They couldn't figure it out. And so finally, they, uh, they went to some specialists and they were starting to, guys, uh, just unplug the uh, DMX there. Just, just unplug the whole thing. Hopefully that'll just, hopefully we won't go dark. That work? No. <laughs> uh, put them in the dark. Don't know what's happening with those. They're going crazy today. There we go. Hey, you guys will just be in the dark today. That's all. All right. Uh, so anyway, he's having these very serious health issues, and uh, goes to the, the specialist, and they, they just can't figure out what in the world is going on. And finally, they, they got back with him, and they said, we, we figured it out. And so they, uh, they went, he and his wife, they, they go to the, the main primary doctor, and they said to the wife, can we talk to you first? So they, they bring her back into sort of the, the room there, and the doctor said, look, this is pretty serious uh, stuff. He's going to die if we don't get this taken care of. But here's the good news. We think that we figured out what's going on. And we've got this medication that you can take in order, or that he can take in order to, to get better. But here's the deal. Just the medication alone is not going to be enough. There's going to be some other things because he is really, really seriously sick. So what we need you to do is to three times a day, you're going to have to specially prepare these meals for him. It's a special diet that he's going to be on. And so breakfast, lunch, dinner, he's just going to have to have this very, very special type of meal. And so the doctor said, you know, the other thing that's going to happen is he's going to have to be in a very sterile condition. And so you're going to have to clean, like, scrub and dust and vacuum every single day. And then from an emotional standpoint, just to keep sort of his spirits high, we would recommend that you have sex with him every single day. The doctor said, do you understand what, what needs to happen here? And the wife's like, yeah. She goes back out, their husband's there anxiously waiting in the, in the waiting room, and he says, so, so what do you say? What, what do you say? And she said, you're going to die. <laughs> Now, obviously, that's a joke. That wasn't a true story. But it does illustrate uh, the point that I want to make to you here today, and that is that when it comes to doing things above and beyond the call of duty, so to speak, when it comes to really serving people, going out of our way, doing things that maybe make us uncomfortable, a lot of times we don't want to do it. You say, I'm not doing that. That's too much. In fact, go ahead and turn to the person sitting next to you, touch them on the arm and say, I'm not doing that. Now, I noticed that some of you didn't do it because you're like, I'm not touching somebody. I'm not doing that. <laughs> right? When it, when, it, when it comes to things that are uncomfortable or, or a little bit outside of the box, we're like, ah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that. But today, as we continue our series called Love Like Jesus, what we're going to discover is that 
Jesus did some things that were a little bit uncomfortable, that were a little bit outside of the norm, outside of the box. He never had the attitude of, well, I'm not doing that. Because he said, you know what? I came not to be served, but to actually serve other people. And so Jesus, over and over and over again, he just keeps serving and serving and loving and loving. And if we're going to become more like Jesus ourselves, if we're going to love more like Jesus, we have got to learn how to serve like Jesus. And so today what I want to do is I want to share with you a story from Scripture. It's probably the most famous example of Jesus serving people in a very unconventional type of way. So if you got a Bible this morning, you want to follow along, go ahead and turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13 is where we're going to hang out here this morning. As you're turning there, uh, if you don't have a Bible, by the way, all the Scriptures will be up on the screens behind me here. They're also in the program there that you received as you came in. And uh, you can also pull out your smartphone, download the Version app. And on the Version app, you'll be able to follow along with all the scriptures as well. If you need a Bible, we give them away for free out in the lobby afterwards, so uh, please see somebody out there at the welcome desk afterwards. Again, as you're continuing to, to turn, let me give you a little bit of context of what we're about to read here this morning. This story takes place just hours before Jesus' death. Uh, this is a, a, a thing that, keep in mind, for three and a half years, he has invested his life in the lives of his followers especially these 12 guys, the, the disciples. And he's been training them. He's been teaching them over and over and over again that, look, life isn't about us. It's about pouring our lives out in the lives of other people. That we didn't come to be served. We came to serve other people. And so he just keeps teaching this over and over. And they've heard him do all kinds of great teaching, great preaching. They've seen him do miracles. But now we've arrived to just a couple hours before his death. And I want you to really put yourself in the, the mind of Jesus and, and sort of the, the heart of Jesus and the feelings that we, he would have had in this moment. That he realizes that Judas is about to betray him. He realizes that it's all about to go really, really south for him. What happens is just a, a week before on, on Monday, he, he goes in, he cleanses out the temple area, clears it out. He says to the money changers, like, you know what, you, you guys, you have made God's house that's supposed to be a house of worship, a house of prayer. You've made it into a den of robbers, a den of thieves. Tuesday then, he has this huge blow up, this huge fight with the religious leaders of his day. Wednesday, there's nothing that's recorded. Then Thursday, Thursday rolls around. He and his followers, they're, they're now up in this upper room. And they're, they're there in secret. It's this sort of last-minute impromptu meeting. And they're they're going to have a, a meal together. And you know what happens? The disciples start arguing about who's the greatest amongst us? Who's, who's going to be Jesus' right-hand man? When it, when it comes to heaven, who, who's going to sit right there at his right hand? Be second in command. I mean, again, think about it. Jesus is just hours from being arrested and then tried, persecuted. He's going to be whipped and mocked and scorned. He's going to be spit upon. He's going to be nailed to a cross. He's got all this going through his mind that this is about to happen. And what is his followers arguing about? Who's the greatest? They're acting like a bunch of two-year-olds. 
Who's the greatest? You know, John probably piped up and said, well, that would be me because, uh, you know, Jesus said that I'm the one that he loves. So I'm going to be the greatest. Peter's like, sit down. You're not going to be the greatest. I'm the greatest. I'm the one that got out of the boat. I, I walked on water while the rest of you sissies sat in the boat. Matthew probably pipes up and he goes, yeah, but you sank. Bartholomew says, guys, what about me? They're all like, nobody's even going to remember that you're one of the disciples. (laughs) Sit down. So again, Jesus got all this stuff going through his mind, and and here they are, they're arguing about this this whole thing. It's really, really sad. So in John chapter 13, verses 1 to 2, we read this. It was before the Passover, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave the world and return to the Father. He had always loved his followers in this world, and he loved them to the very end. Even before the evening meal started, the devil had made Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, decide to betray Jesus. Now, I love this because John, again, he's, he's looking back at something that has already happened when he writes this. He says that Jesus loved them to the very end. Despite all this arguing and despite everything that was going on, Jesus still loved them anyway, even though they're arguing about who is going to be the greatest. Jesus got to be thinking, I thought I made it clear the last three and a half years that the greatest amongst us will be the least, that, that the greatest will be the one that, that bows down and serves others, not that, that gets served. Jesus is thinking, man, is, is, this, is this whole mission of mine, has it been blown? Because I've for three and a half years been trying to drive home this point to them, but yet they still don't get it. And he thinks, you know what? going to give it one more try. One more shot to try to get this through to him. And he's looking there at his disciples and he sees proud hearts. But then he notices something else. He notices dirty feet. John 13 verses 3 to 5 then it says, during the meal Jesus got up, removed his outer garment and wrapped the towel around his waist. He put some water into a large bowl and then he began washing his disciples' feet and drying them with the towel that he was wearing. Now the, uh, the nomination that we're a part of, the Church of God General Conference, we actually believe that this is one of the ordinances of the church. Most denominations, most churches would say that there's two ordinances of the church, that baptism is one and that communion is the other. Uh, an ordinance is, means uh, a command that you're supposed to keep on doing. Well, the church of God believes that feet washing is one of the commands. That because Jesus later, he says, you will be blessed if you continue to do this for others. And so, you know, for the first five and a half years that we were a church, we met in a movie theater right up the street. And I was never able to actually demonstrate this because of the way the seats were. Nobody would have ever been able to see it. Uh, but now we're in a new building. And so I, I thought this would be something we'd actually demonstrate. So I've asked Bill uh, to come out today. He's going to help out. Our worship pastor, our fearless worship pastor, give him a big hand as he comes out here today. Now, let me give you a little bit more context here as we uh, prepare to do this. The day and time that that Jesus lived in, it was uh, 
and the environment that he was in, a very hot, dry, dusty environment. And one of the, the common courtesies when you came into somebody's home in that day and time was to offer to have your guest's feet washed. One of the things you would do is you would give them a kiss on the cheek, and then you would say, would you like to have your, your feet washed? Sort of like today, when you have somebody over to your house, you say, can I take your coat for you? Can I get you something to drink? Just, it's a courtesy. Well, in, in this day and time, it was a courtesy. You, you gave them a kiss on the cheek. I'm not giving you a kiss on the cheek. Uh, and, and then you would offer to, to wash their feet. Now, let me be very clear about this. This was never something that the host would do. The host didn't do this. Because... It was a very demeaning job to, to have to get down and, and, and wash somebody's feet. I mean, think about it. Even in our day and time, feet still sort of have a stigma about it, don't they? You, you don't want to touch somebody's feet. I mean, you, you earlier, I said, go ahead and just reach over and touch somebody on the arm, and many of you didn't do it. And, and what we got to understand, again, is not only was this a hot, dry, dusty climate, but because they wore sandals in that day and time, and because they didn't have paid roads, and because they didn't have cars, what types of things were on the road along with people? Animals. You had horses and cows and oxen. So guess what else is in the middle of the road that you're walking in all the time? And so when you would get to somebody's house, your feet would be dusty and there'd be feces on it and all this kind of stuff. And so the sort of the the lowest of the low servant or slave in a household was the one that had to get down and wash somebody's feet. Again, it wasn't the important people. It wasn't the, the host that would do it. It was the slave that would do it. And so here's Jesus. He's, he's at this last supper with his followers. And they've been having this argument. And, and, you know, everything has sort of been thrown together last minute. And nobody had greeted each other with a customary kiss. And nobody's feet had been washed. And so there's Jesus. And he notices proud hearts. And he notices dirty feet. And so then he does the unthinkable. He, he takes a towel, which would have been the, what would have been called the slave's apron. And he ties it around his waist. And then he finds a, a pitcher of water and he pours it out into a basin. Now keep in mind that this is Jesus. This is the, the very Son of God. This is God in the flesh. And he puts on the towel. He pours out the water, and he comes to his disciples, and he starts to wash their feet. And he dries them with the towel. This is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And he's down on his hands and knees. He's washing the feet of his disciples. 
you know, I was trying to think of what this would be like. The only thing I could, I could really think of is, this would be like the, the Queen of England coming over to your house and cleaning your toilets for you. I mean, that, that's the only, like, thing I, I, could, I could think of. Jesus saw a need, and then he met that need. Again, think about it. This is Jesus. And he's down washing feet. This was something that the disciples would have thought was beneath them, that we don't wash feet. We, we should be having our, our uh, you know, uh, our feet should be the ones being washed. And, and that's what Jesus did for them. But it was a, a model to them that now, as I have done for you, you should do for others. They're arguing about who's the greatest. Who's the one who's going to have their feet washed? And Jesus like, no, no, no. You need to be the one down on your hands and knees. Washing feet. This isn't about you. This is about finding needs meeting needs, serving other people. Jesus is saying, look, if you want to be my follower, if you're going to love like me, you've got to learn how to serve others. That there is nothing that will ever be beneath you. There's nothing you should be too busy for. You should never say, well, I'm too important of a person to do that particular thing. If you see a need, you meet a need. And so the lesson for us today is this. Every single day, we have got to wake up and say, God, here I am. Use me in whatever way you want to use me. God, open my eyes to see the needs that are around me, to see opportunities that are out there that maybe I would have overlooked in the past because I thought, well, I'm above that. I'm better than that. God, give me the eyes to see those things. Give me ears to hear uh, the the various conversations and stories that people are talking about and, and the needs and the concerns that they have. And then, God, give me the heart to care about those things. If you see a need, you should meet those needs if you want to love like Jesus. See, we are called by him to be his hands and be his feet to a lost and hurting and dying world that's out there. This world isn't about you. It's not about what you can get. It's about who can I serve? Who can I, whether it's Literally or figuratively, who can I get down and and, and serve them? Wash their feet. If you see a need, you meet a need. Here's a simple mantra that you could keep repeating throughout the day. I put it on your outline this way. This one's mine. Just throughout the day, look for things and go, you know what? This one's mine. I've got this. I'm going to take care of it of this. Again, if you see a need, you you meet a need. You have a friend that they're moving. Anytime we hear, you know, I'm moving next Saturday, you're like, man, good luck with that. I hope you find somebody to help you out. No, you know what you say? This one's mine. 
As long as physically you're able to do it, this one's mine. I'm, I'm going I'm to help take care of it. You're out at Lowe's, Home Depot. You see a lady, you know, and she's struggling to get some big box into her car or whatever. You, you say, you know what? This one's mine. Yeah, I'm busy. I, I got to get to somewhere, but I'm going to take just a couple minutes out and help this person out. This, one, this one's mine. I, I see a need. I'm going to meet a need. You have a neighbor this fall, this winter that gets sick. You're like, man, their, their leaves are really piling up. Man, they, they haven't shoveled their, their driveway yet. Say, so, you know what? This one's mine. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to help out. Here at Exponential, see a piece of trash on the floor? You don't go, eh, that's somebody else's job. No, you and never pick it up. This, this one's mine. The, the trash can out in the cafe, it's overflowing. You don't say, well, somebody else will take care of that eventually. No, this one's mine. I'll, I'll, I'll take the trash out. I'll put a new bag in. You know, we, we've got other things right now here at the church. Children's ministry, our ushering ministry, our tech ministry, all are in need of volunteers right now. You know what you can say? Hey, this one's mine. I, I'm going to help out. I see a need. I meet a need. But again, that's not the attitude we so often have. So often we say, well, it's, it's uncomfortable for me. Or I, I can't do that. Or I'm too busy. Or I'm too important. But we can't be that way. You know, like when, when it comes to our kids here and stuff, you should say, you know what? Jesus could get down and, and wash dirty feet. The least I could do is change a poopy diaper, Right? You know, if Jesus hung on the cross, and I'm sure that wasn't very comfortable, I can get out of my comfort zone a little bit and pass some popcorn buckets down the rows. Not too hard. You see a need? You meet a need. You say, this one's mine. Again, Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve other people. He didn't come to have his feet washed. He came to wash the feet of others. And he wants you to do the same. Here's the thing. When you begin to serve people, you're going to start to notice that hearts and lives are changed. And you know the first heart in life that gets changed when you serve? Your own. Your own. There is absolutely nothing like serving others. There's no greater joy than getting to the end of the day and saying, you know what? I made a difference in the life of another human being. There's nothing like it. But again, our society, our world says, no, it's all about you. People should serve you. People should bow down to you. You should be the greatest. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. If you want to be the greatest, you serve. You bow down. You humble yourself. We got to serve. Be willing to wash the feet of others. You know what? If, if you want a, a better marriage... Start serving your spouse. You want your kid's school to be better? Stop complaining about it and start serving there. You want better friendships? Start serving your friends. You want a better church? Start serving here at the church. You want Harrisburg to be better? You want Harrisburg to be different? 
Start serving in some way. Find a need, meet a need. Say, you know what, this one's mine. I'm going to do something about this. That's the example that Jesus left to us. Again, he was the king above every other king. Yet he said, I've got this. This one is mine. And so if he can do it, you can do it as well. If we're going to learn to love like Jesus, we've got to learn to serve like Jesus. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's not always going to fit into our schedule. But it's the way that we actually become the greatest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and this opportunity we've had to gather together to worship you and, Lord, to look at this incredible example that you left for us of serving other people, that you humbled yourself, you got down on your hands and knees, and you washed the feet of your disciples. You cleaned dirty feet. Lord, help us to, to do the same thing, to not be so proud, to, to not be so much about ourselves that we don't look out for the needs of others. And so, Lord, I pray that in this very short message today that you've spoken to our hearts, you've spoken to our lives, and you've showed us even, even in this moment ways that we can be doing better at serving other people. Lord, continue to open up opportunities for us to serve, to be your hands and feet to others. Lord, again, I pray that we would do this all with a, a sense of humility. And remember that you are the, the great example to us of what it means to love our neighbor, what it means to, to make a difference. And so, Father, I just uh, I thank you that you're going to use us to, to go out into this Harrisburg community and show people that, look, you matter to me and you matter to God as well. That, Lord, that will transform our lives and the lives of those that are around us. Thank you in advance for doing that in us, Jesus, and through us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.